Welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I spent my weekend watching Duke lose in the ACC Finals. Oh, wait, sorry. I thought sorry, that was a personal enjoyment. No, sorry. It means I was getting ready for the start of NFL free agency. The legal tampering period begins at noon on Monday. Moves become official Wednesday starting at 4 o'clock. Plenty to get into on that front. And to help me do that today, I've got Pro Football Focus's salary cap insider, Brad Spielberger, to join me to discuss Washington's situation now that they made a big expenditure by landing Carson Wentz. They've also moved on from Landon Collins. Uh, Brad and I spoke literally minutes after Washington, uh, after it became uh, apparent that Washington was going to release Landon Collins. I reported that, as did some others. And we're going to explain kind of where Washington is at this point. What are some of their options with their own free agents, uh, with uh, external free agents, whether going with Carson Wentz and spending that money on him was the best choice, or could they have been better off going with, say, a, a Mitch Trubisky at a lower cost and then using that money elsewhere? A fun conversation. We'll get into that in more here on the podcast. In addition, I'm going to give you guys some updates on Washington's internal free agent situations. I wrote about this at length on The Athletic. It is up Sunday morning, so you can check that out as well. But I'll get into some of that here for sure, along with one outside free agent that I am going to keep an eye on. So we'll do that here in just a moment on the Standard Room Only podcast. By the way, it's been uh, it's been great. Obviously, the offseason is a lot of fun, a lot of speculation, and people have been uh, really coming in to listen to the podcast. Have We've had some of our biggest numbers um, since I've done the podcast of late, and I really appreciate that. Uh, so you can check that out on iTunes or listen on The Athletic or anywhere else. You do your podcasting, and of course, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. I believe the deal, if you go through the web, you can get a dollar a month for six months. Click on one of my articles and go from there. Um, all right, I, I do want to, as I said, get to some of what's been going on here with regards to Washington's uh, own free agent situation as we go into um, free agency. The, now, as we know, they've only re-signed effectively Charles Leno among their main players. That happened at the end of the year. Everybody else is heading to free agency uh, unless something dramatic changes in the next uh, 24 hours or so. Uh, Martin Mayhew basically told us this was going to be the case at the Combine. And, you know, at some point, if you're the player, it makes sense to see what your market is. You might as well see what 32 teams want to want to say to you rather than just the one unless the one is ready to you know come come big with the big bag and say let let's do this um just to go through this list as i said i i went through through it in more an exhaustive way over on the website but just to go through some things um we know that brandon sheriff is not going to be back he's going to get a a presumably assuming he doesn't want to just keep taking one-year deals he's going to get a massive Payday, you know, the, the going rate for guards is 16 to $17 million at this point. Annual salary. Washington doesn't have the cap space. Obviously, they haven't even been able to come close, it appears, to agreeing to a long-term deal previously. So Brandon Sheriff will be moving on, and they'll have to figure out their new guard situation. Wes Schweitzer would be the obvious replacement on the roster, although there is some cap maneuverability with his deal. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, the other guy who we, we can just say he won't be back, uh, definitely curious how Ron Rivera 
I'm definitely curious about that relationship with Ron Rivera. It doesn't feel like it was ending on, on great notes. I don't know to what end, but when Rivera at the Combine says they have two free agents, Kyle Allen and Garrett Gilbert, doesn't mention Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, kind of a sign. But we'll see. We don't even know if Fitzpatrick is going to ever want to play again. But either way, he is, uh, he, whether he'll want to play again off the hip injury, of course, I mean. But either way, he's not a factor here. Now, here's who are some guys who are factors here, starting with J.D. McKissick. Obviously, McKissick is there, you know, kind of do-it-all running back, pass catcher. He It's amazing that he was second on the team in receiving the yards last year with 397, even though he missed, you know, what, the last uh, five, six games of the year with that neck injury. But that you know kind of showed how inconsistent Washington's passing game was beyond Terry McLaurin and, of course, injuries to Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas as well. This team wants J.D. McKissick back. We don't really need to debate that. The question is, what is he going to find in the open market? And what I've been told is that there is a market for J.D. McKissick. Uh, multiple sources have mentioned that there are teams out there who are who are interested. Now, I don't know what that means. I, I'm not saying he's going to get massive payday, but you know, I think he's going to get teams interested in him. And I do think that one consideration is, what's his role going to be in Washington, specifically with Carson Wentz? Because if you look at Carson Wentz's numbers— he, since he entered the league in 2016, Carson Wentz only throws to running backs 17.9% of the time in relation to all of his throws. That's tied for 37th among 51 quarterbacks with at least, who average at least 14 attempts over that time. So that's obviously um, not a huge number. But the larger point would be if you're McKissick, if the money becomes sort of equal across the board, what's your bigger role going to be? And that's something to consider, even though Washington clearly wants him back for sure. As I've mentioned before, I also believe Washington is looking to add more running back help. So if you add a third back to go with, with McKissick and Gibson, hypothetically, what does that mean for McKissick's role as well, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I, I, I don't I, I'm not saying I feel. I, I I wouldn't say that I'm predicting McKissick isn't coming back, like that's definitive, but I am more leery about him coming back than I probably was uh, earlier on, especially after the Wentz trade. Washington doesn't have a ton of cap space. Uh, speaking of which, um, I think the numbers that Brad and I mentioned may have been a bit off, and that was on my fault, if accurate. Either way, talking to Brad after we did the podcast, he comes in with roughly about $6.6 million available right now. That's including the Landon Collins um, release that's including them non-tendering Kyle Allen. He's going to be a free agent, and that's including factoring in the draft class. Brad estimates roughly four point four million that they'll have to allocate for that. So roughly six point six million. There is obviously some things they can still do. Uh, Brad and I will discuss some of those options uh, as well about guys who are currently on the roster. Point is though, they still have things they need to do. Uh, uh, Mike linebacker, possibly another guard. Do you get an, an offensive playmaker or two? Uh, what about Bobby McCain or a replacement at free safety, et cetera? So, you know, they, they, they have money. They have, they'll have some money to spend, but they're also going to need to do that. And how high can they go on McKissick is a question. So I wouldn't say McKissick is gone by any stretch. I think he, I think all their restricted, all their unrestricted free agents could be back. I just think that McKissick's situation may be a little more dicey than I imagined before the combine, but we'll see. It's definitely uh, they definitely want him back. We'll see what happens. Uh, similar boat, Cornelius Lucas. 
their swing tackle, who's been valuable the last couple of years, filling in for various uh, people on both sides of the ball. The issue here is Washington is pretty locked up. They they re-sign Leno for left tackle. They draft Sam Cosme at right tackle. Lucas is going to want to play. He doesn't want to just be there in case somebody gets hurt. He'd like to play, and there are teams out there that need tackles. He's been solid. Uh, I, 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 to me, he, along with McKissick, are the two guys they don't feel great about, but we're going to have to see uh, what their markets are. And then maybe there's a world where Washington says, hey, we'll give you a little bit more to stay, and that's worth it. Time will tell on those front um just to circle back to McKissick I think also even though Jared Patterson and Jonathan Williams are on the roster I think Washington is looking for more than those guys offer Patterson's a great story obviously but at the same point you know small size was undrafted Uh, you know maybe he's a, a deeper depth play but not somebody they're looking to build around at this point uh Tim Settle Tim Settle's like sort of an obvious guy who won't be back but that's assuming Everybody else on the defensive line returns, right? Deron Payne is up for a new deal or he enters the final year of his rookie contract. Matt Ioannidis, who's a valuable reserve, Washington would save roughly $6.9 million towards the salary cap by releasing him with only a $1.5 million dead cap. I wouldn't think that that would be their plan. At the same point, they may have some tough choices to make here over the next 24 hours or so or whenever they think they need to in free agency. And if they were to do that, trade pain or somehow move Ionitis, then keeping settle would make sense. My set, my understanding is the two sides have kept in touch. They're not ruling out a, uh, him staying, but most likely the logic is Tim Settle would leave and become a good value signing for another team, possibly on a one-year deal, so he can get some reps, show what he can do. He had five sacks in limited playing time in 2020. If he could do that again, he could get himself a pretty decent deal in free agency the following year. A uh, couple other guys. Danny Johnson I thought was a pretty valuable piece for this team coming off the bench um, after they had some injuries and you know the secondary had some had concerns. I thought he did a pretty solid job, frankly, in the slot. And he's also a a key special teams performer, not to mention a a nice presence in the locker room. But I don't know that he'll be back. My sense is Washington has been offering him sort of the one-year minimum deal, which he was playing on last year. And Johnson may be able to find a bit more than that out there in the market. Again, time will tell. Everybody out there, if you're not one of the star players in free agency, has to play a bit of a waiting game. It's a little bit of musical chairs, and you just have to hope that you know your agent has a good read of the room and knows when to strike. But I think if there's a team out there that gives Johnson a bit more than the one-year minimum, I, I suspect he'll be gone, and that means Washington's going to need to add more depth at corner. They probably need more anyway, but just pointing out, Danny Johnson, I think, could be somebody who, who, uh, who moves on as well. Daryl Roberts is also a free agent. Uh, I don't know, honestly, where things stand with him. Speaking of the secondary, Troy Apke is out there. Now, obviously, while Troy Apke is technically a cornerback these days, he's viewed more on the special teams front. My my sense is, going into this weekend, that Washington had yet to reach out to Apke. You know, look, if a, if a team out there sees him as a special teams star, then maybe uh, you know a team looking to sort of focus on fundamentals makes a move on him. Other than that, we'll have to wait and see where Apke goes. I would imagine they would like to keep him, but obviously he's been here for a minute. He's not getting on the field defensively at all. If that's some, a goal for him, then perhaps 
he seeks an opportunity elsewhere. Uh, Joey Sly, we're kind of waiting to see where he's at. Now, he's a restricted free agent. Goes without saying, Washington should look to want to keep him. He made all 12 of his field goal attempts after coming in um, to, to solidify that kicking situation. Washington also has Brian Johnson, but... And it wouldn't stun me if you brought in two kickers after what they went through the last couple of years, but keeping Sly seems like a no-brainer. Would imagine that that gets done at some point. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones. There's mutual interest between both sides on that, I've been told. Uh, you know, Logan Thomas is coming off the ACL. I could see Washington making a play for tight end. We'll get into that in a second uh, in free agency. But at a minimum, Ricky Seals-Jones is the one veteran option they have on this team to go with. The, the two rookies from last year, John Bates and Samus Reyes. So I think keeping Seals-Jones would make a lot of sense unless Washington makes a bigger move in free agency. Um, we'll get to that in just one quick second. One last thing, though, with regards to the offensive line. Uh, you know, not only do they have uh, some, you know, a little bit of an issue here at guard because of uh, Brandon Sheriff leaving is – Wes Schweitzer, the automatic replacement, or is Schweitzer a potential uh, somebody you have to look at to, to move from a cap perspective? But there's also some depth concerns. We know they signed, uh, sorry, we know they started five different centers last year because of Chase Ruye's injury. Um, well, only Ruye and Keith Ismail are under contract. So will Washington look to add more help there just from a depth perspective? Now, as far as Ruye goes, what I've been told is he is trending back nicely from that broken fibula and ankle injury he suffered in the week eight loss at Denver. The hope right now is that he'll be able to be uh, ready for training camp, probably or possibly the start of training camp. But, you know, time will tell. That's obviously uh, still a bit of a ways to go. But I would think that Washington has got to look to secure some depth inside on the line that could come through the draft, obviously. But at the same point, They've got some choices there, and if Lucas leaves, they're also going to need another right tackle or, or another swing tackle unless they move Sadiq Charles back outside. Then they would need another guard to replace him, so on and so on. So there's still some moving parts there as well. L last thing on the external for agents, just one I want to get into, uh, and that is Zach Ertz, the former Eagles tight end who was traded to the Cardinals last year and really had a nice bounce back uh, with the Cardinals following that trade. The reason we mention Ertz is because of his connection to Carson Wentz from their time together in Philly. Uh, look, in 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 their four first four seasons together, Zach Ertz had at least seventy four receptions in each year. Beyond that, Carson Wentz, I said before, he's not really big into throwing to running backs. He is though a tight end guy. Since two thousand sixteen, Carson Wentz has attempted uh, the second most throws to tight ends of any quarterback. Uh, since that time, 31.6% of his pass attempts went to tight ends. Only Lamar Jackson threw a higher percentage. Look, if you're going to make this move on Wentz, you need to make sure that he is uh, as comfortable as possible. And with Logan Thomas's injury, I'm interested in I'm interested in Ertz. Yeah, he's 31, and he's not a like a game changer per se. But I would rather roll the dice with say Ertz, especially if that's going to make Wentz comfortable. And, and roll with Deami Brown, Cam Sims, who I didn't mention among the free agents, but again, another guy that they have said clearly they want to bring back. I'd rather roll with those two guys, maybe draft another rookie um, in, say, the fourth round, maybe even the second round if you feel compelled to. You could also draft somebody at 11 if you really felt uh, ha had that itch. You're getting Curtis Samuel back with Terry McLaurin. 
I'd rather go with that plus Ertz than sort of invest bigger in receiver and then kind of hope that Logan Thomas is okay to go with what you have with with, with Bates and Reyes and Seals Jones. But either way, I think I think Zach Ertz is somebody who absolutely uh, is is a name to keep an eye on. From a just again, if I'm Washington, I want to make Carson Wentz as comfortable as possible, and therefore this guy's got to be somebody that I'm going to take a look at. Uh, but you can uh, go check out my article on the Athletic for more thoughts on the external free agents as well as. What else is happening here with this team from a team needs perspective? Some other thoughts on on the guys inside, uh, uh, you know, on the roster. I guess they can't be on the roster currently if they're free agents, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, all right, so plenty more to discuss on that front, but I want to get into my conversation w- with Brad Spielberger. He is at PFF underscore Brad on Twitter, and uh, Brad does a great job with the salary cap. And he's got good good insights on the football front as well. So we get into what do we think of the Carson Wentz deal, Landon Collins getting released, what can Washington do to free up more cap space, and who are some external targets that might make sense for them based on where they are from a cap perspective. All that and more here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. Before I forget to mention, if you missed last week, three podcasts, a lot of fun, including an interview with Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts, for the athletic about what went wrong with Carson Wentz there. Also, I had Shield Kapadia on one of our national NFL writers at the athletic to get into free agency. So you can check those podcasts out as well. All right. Joining us as promised, he is a super smart, super tall salary cap insider for pro football focus as does also contribute to over the cap. And I've, I've told him he's the like, official, unofficial salary cap expert of the Standard Room Only podcast. He is Brad Spielberger. Um, I know that I, I, I'm looking forward to that being added to your Twitter resume just to be, uh, you know, profile. I mean, no no pressure. I'm just saying. I got to throw it on the bio. Yeah. Now we've met in person now and everything. So, you know, I got to officially put that stamp on the bio. <laughs> right. We, we were together at the Senior Bowl last week at the Combine. Um, and, you know, even since I saw you, it was last. Wait, was it last week? The Combine? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I mean, it it feels like it's been forever, and I, just since then, Washington has a quarterback, and literally, you and I, you you were cool to come on with me. We talked about it this morning, and literally, just within the hour, Washington uh, w- that Landon Collins is going to be released. Not a shocker. Gives him some space, so we have a little bit there we can talk about concretely, and everything else with Washington's situation so i hope you are ready to dive into a group that if we had talked about them if we had done this exact podcast last week at the at the combine we'd be saying hey they have 33 million in cap space yeah they got to get a quarterback but they have options now a lot more narrow situation for them heading into the free agency next, uh, next week no 100 percent. and obviously taking on 28 million you know for one player and carson wentz changes the entire outlook of your salary cap and just your entire roster construction they have some moves to make, which, you know, we can get into. Obviously, one of those being Landon Collins getting released. Um, you know, I think they will still probably try to make some moves and, and, and be active, but maybe less so than, than before. All right. So let's go to the, the Carson Wentz thing. I, I've, I've now talked about it a lot about you know, why did the Colts get rid of him after one year? And why did what does Washington see? We get all that. He's He's an upgrade as a player. There's a lot of question marks. But I think as now I've had, we're talking on Thursday. Um, afternoon, so it's less than, or it's roughly 24 hours since the trade went down. And the more I keep thinking about it, you know, we don't know exactly what Washington was bidding against. Maybe they were bidding against other teams. 
I reported that they did jump in as aggressively as they did because they feared a bidding war, but who knows exactly to what end. So we don't know what they were facing with when they ultimately decided to trade effectively a third, a future third that could be a second and the swap of second round picks plus Washington is also going to get a seventh rounder back for once. But it was a little stunning to me that they gave up those picks and took on the entire contract for Carson Wentz, a player who, again, when we were at the combine, I watched Colts GM Chris Ballard be pretty candid about the, the concerns, the fears, the issues. And it definitely seemed like a guy who knew Carson Wentz was not going to be on his team next year. And yet, if I'm looking at this deal, I'm like, wait, if Washington had like if Washington had told the Colts, you got to take on half the money, would they have had to give up a first round pick? Like, I don't know what it feels like Washington sort of gave up. They took on the money and gave up the picks. But you tell me from your perspective, does that seem reasonable what Washington did, did just from that perspective? No, I completely agree with you. The, the surprise to me when, when the deal came through that it was going to be, like you said, a third round pick and then the future third that could become a second with the exact same conditions that was on, you know, Indianapolis's trade with snaps, which if he's the starter for the season, is not that hard to hit. I thought, okay, well, the only way this is possible is if, you know, like you said, Indianapolis is retaining a decent amount of money. Um, and, and so that was the shock to me. I mean, the Colts end up doing a one-year deal for $21 million for Carson Wentz. And hypothetically, if Washington wants to just do a one-year deal, it'd be for $28 million. So, you know, 33% more than what Indianapolis did in a similar trade. So the money definitely stood out to me. It was a bit surprising that they would give, you know, the Colts that much cap relief and, and take on that big of a cap burden in Washington. Like you said, it is an upgrade. He is better than Taylor Heineke and, and the version of Alex Smith that came back to play in Washington. So I get all of that. Um, but it was, you know, I'm not trying to pick on Washington or anything. I, I don't think it was the greatest deal in, in favor of the commanders. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. And look, you know, Ron Rivera at the combine was asked about cost and what, what, what you know, how high is, is, is can a team be willing to go? He's like, hey, you think you think anybody cares what the Rams gave up to get Stafford? Of course not. It's all relative. So sure, if Carson Wentz comes in, and I'm at, I'm not going to say he looks like the the guy who was a MVP candidate back in Philly. He's he's good. He you know he he's in that sort of Kirk Cousinsy level of like, hey, you can win games with this guy. There's some ups and downs. But it's more good than bad. I don't think anybody's ultimately to complain about the the picks. And from the money perspective, they can get out of it after this year. Now, of course, if with, without any guaranteed money, if they have to get out of it after one year, then obviously it's going to be viewed as a complete disaster, most likely. So yeah, hundred percent. And so that's why, you know, you start to look at, would they really restructure some of this deal to clear cap space that of course then, you know, tethers him to multiple years. But like you said, maybe you take a little bit of that risk, you know, the Colts were not willing to, and, and it worked out in their favor. I'm not sure a third trade would be available for Carson Wentz in the future. I also think unfortunately what worked against them was, I mean, the Russell Wilson trade was a monster of a deal. I keep looking at it and comparing it to Matthew Stafford's trade last year. We know Washington was interested in both of those players. When that deal came through and the trade package was finalized, it probably raised the price for Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins and, and Jimmy Garoppolo and all these guys. So they were kind of operating in a new market. And unfortunately, you know, they're, they're a bit desperate to get a quarterback. And, and also, you know, other guys have no trade clauses. Maybe we're not willing to waive that to go to Washington. That includes Garoppolo. That includes Deshaun Watson. So they took a guy that they knew they could get. It is interesting, right? You just, I, you know, I haven't sat down to do the math. It's been a lot happening. But in terms of Russell Wilson versus Stafford, since, you know, we can discuss that since Washington was involved in both. 
Washington effectively matched the Rams offer. It was a first and a third. The difference was because the Lions actually wanted to take on Jared Goff because their new GM had been with the Rams and so on. They had the Rams had to pay the golf tax basically of another first. So taking a golf aside, I mean, I know you can't effectively Washington match offer a first and a third for Stafford. Now, obviously, Russell Wilson is generally rated higher than Stafford pre the Super Bowl here, but they got a lot more than 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 the than the the Lions did um, for Stafford, which I you know look like with anything right now, right? The, the price of gas that we're dealing with is like, I don't know where, what it is where you are, but it's like way over $4 now. A month ago, it was like, you know, three or whatever it was. Like it's all, everything price is relative to what's happening in the market at that moment. But it is interesting how much more Denver had to give up than the Rams did ultimately to get a guy who was at least sort of comparable. And now they both have a Super Bowl. Right. And that's my takeaway too, is also it's a clean comparison because both guys were the same age when they got traded. And they also brought almost almost the exact same contract with them to the new club. Both two-year deals for about $50 million is what the new team took on. And, and it sounds like Stafford could be looking at a you know a deal for 45 or more million per year in the near future. Um, and I'm sure Russell Wilson would love a new extension now. Maybe Denver tries to point to Los Angeles and make him wait a year for that extension. But yeah, like that's my takeaway is, look, Denver, credit to them, they had to do it. They're in this gauntlet AFC West, and they do have a really good roster. They didn't give up, you know, they gave up three players, but no one that, you know, completely changes the complexion of their roster, but they spent a ton to get Russell Wilson. Um, so just to sort of put a, I like speculating. I mean, or I like hypotheticals. I mean, it doesn't matter. Carson Wentz is the quarterback, but one thing that's going to be interesting now is what does Washington do with the rest of their off season? You know, cause I, cause the way I always kept looking at it is like, if they went the Mitch Trubisky route, which had been the rumor and, Let's just, for argument's sake, say he gets the $10 million contract for a year that Ryan Fitzpatrick got last year. You know, that would then leave them an, an additional $18.3 million that they didn't spend on Wentz, and that money could go towards all kinds of things. And I do wonder on some level, we won't know until this is over, but, like, would you rather have Wentz is better than Trubisky, at least to this point in their careers? I mean, Trubisky hasn't really done a ton. I, I've defended why people might see the upside, but he hasn't done a ton. Wentz is on the downside, but at the same point, he's been good. And even last year, his stats were at least good. Would you rather have effectively, from the cap perspective, Trubisky and $18 million where we don't know what would you do with that, or Carson Wentz at $28.3 million and basically eating up all your cap space? Yeah, that's the thing is, you know, I would go with, like you said, I think it's fair to say Wentz is better than Trubisky, but I think that, that, you know, the value would lean in favor of just taking another one-year flyer on a guy that, you know, is better than Taylor Heineke, in my opinion. Um, and obviously some teams are, are be- believing that he, you know, he's gotten better or, you know, spent time in Buffalo and, and improved his game. So he also saved, you know, some draft capital as well that you could use on some, some more players for the roster. So I would have gone that route, but Look, there's no guarantees in free agency, right? There's there's no guarantee he was going to sign with them. They landed a guy who they can trot out as a starter that, you know, will be there for at least one year, if not more. Um, and they still do. Like you said, they have about $12 million in cap space following the Landon Collins release. They can clear up some room if they want to. Maybe extend a guy like Eric Flowers. Maybe restructure a guy like William Jackson. If they want to spend a bit more, they can they can create some room. Um, They can. So we'll have to see. What they do um, there. Yeah, look, obviously, it's a, anytime you make a deal for a guy like this, it's going to be a polarizing one. It's not like 
Russell Wilson is arguably a polarizing quarterback at this point. He's coming off a down year, hit the age and all that, but nobody is going to view this as negative. No matter what happens, everybody's going to say Denver did a good job. And guess what? They did. They gave themselves an opportunity on the field to win a Super Bowl or at least to contend for one. And if nothing else, from a perception standpoint, everybody in that locker room is going to be sticking their chest out a bit more because of him. I don't know that they'll be feeling the same way about Carson Wentz, but at the same point, He's six foot five. No offense to Taylor Heineke. He's not five foot ten or whatever. Like just that presence alone in that perspective is, I think, going to give guys more reason to think, hey, we have a, a we have a better physical specimen back here, better athlete. Whether and, and by the way, the, the in the in the Trubisky comparison, they had to give up the picks to boot. It wasn't even just the money. So it all, all even adds to it further. But in any event, that's their that's their guy. We'll see if they draft a rookie and all that. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the money. All right. Now, Landon Collins. So it just happened. I, I mean, this was, I would have bet my house before last year that Landon Collins was getting released. I mean, he's, he had, he was facing a $16.5 million cap hit uh, over 9 million would have been, was dead cap. So like a $6.5 million savings. It's not, I mean, it's whatever. It's not huge, but he's not, you can't justify keeping him. Uh, right. And then last year, like he actually played a little bit better once they did make the move from safety to this Buffalo nickel position where he's playing closer to the line, but the money is still pretty insane. And Landon Collins is a prideful guy. So it never really made sense if they went to him and said, which I reported last week that they were going to, Hey, take less money that he would. Um, that said, what do you kind of just make of, of this situation and, and, and what, what does it mean for Washington to get a little more cap space, but they do lose a guy uh, on defense. Yeah, you know, I think the Cameron Curl draft pick made it a little bit easier. They had a you know guy with a similar skill set, and, and like you said, they obviously tried to make him kind of be a Keanu Neal when he moved to Dallas and became more of a linebacker and kind of a hybrid linebacker safety. And like you said, he was productive there. I think he does belong closer to the line and then playing down in the box as much as possible. Um, but at the end of the day, like you said, you can't justify an $11.5 million salary for him this year. He's just not worth that much money. I know you put out that they were trying to negotiate a pay cut, which – I thought it made sense for both parties and, and maybe you chop off the remaining years of his deal in that renegotiation. So he's a free agent after this season. Um, obviously he wanted to get back to the market before he's 30 and, and go chase a new deal. But, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a robust market for his services by any stretch. Right. I mean, I think that was going to be basically the thing is, can you look at the money? I mean, I don't know what they were trying to renegotiate it down to, but whatever they number is, if you're Landon Collins, you look at that number and then you look at the market and think, what am I going to get? But this is how life works for a lot of people, especially if you're a really prideful guy like him. You may take less money to play for somebody else, but you're not taking less money to play for the to, to stay where you are. That's just not how these things almost ever work. So that's why it seemed inevitable that would happen. And look, if they're going to go out and get a Mike linebacker, as Ron Rivera has suggested, then I don't even know where he's playing because if you add a any kind of Mike linebacker of substance with Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb, you have Cameron Curl, whether Bobby McCain stays at free safety, they bring in somebody else. Where is Landon Collins playing in this? Even when they're doing the you know uh, sub packages, like ha- you kind of need your fifth defensive back to be able to cover. And his biggest issue was covering. They had to they had to hide him last year, so it just didn't make a lot of sense. So they move on now we need to figure out this is where your big brain comes into play is how what 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 do they what what is what do they do like what's the what's the ramifications we always say renegotiate contracts or do this but there are there can be some ramifications so as you look at the situation what to you is sort of your first course of action here 
Yeah, well, you know, I know neither guy had a great season last year, but, you know, they signed William Jackson and Curtis Samuel to these three-year contracts, but made it a point to add the void years in there. Uh, and so I think, you know, naturally you look at those deals as potential ways to clear a little bit of cap room. Maybe don't do a max restructure, which means dropping the salary all the way to the minimum. Maybe just clear a little bit. Um, and then also Eric Flowers has been a good player, expressed, you know, gratitude to return to Washington last year from Miami. Um, I think he has a $9.75 million salary this year. So, you know, that would have to be an extension. You can't restructure him in the last year of his deal. But I think, it, you know, an extension makes sense for both parties and they could clear five, six million dollars via an extension. So that's where I would probably start. Um, you know, try not to get too crazy with all like you say. You want to push a ton of money down the road. Washington likes to pay as you go and have kind of flat year to year pay structure with their players. So I mean, but still, that gets you maybe in the 20, 25 million range. And then you can start making some moves in free agency. You said Washington likes to pay as they go. Obviously to an extent like you know when 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 people when foot when pure football x's and o's analysts assess a team they go oh you know josh mcdaniels he's gonna run this type of offense and scott turner wants to do this and jack del rio wants to do that do you look at the salary cap people and think the same way oh i know exactly what rob rogers is thinking i mean generally like i know this is what rob rogers wants to do in washington or who i don't know whoever new england's guy is or whatever it is do you you look at it in, in those terms I do. Yeah. So, so Rogers is actually a bit unique. He doesn't stick to that exclusively. Like some teams like the Raiders, like they don't give signing bonuses. The Buccaneers used to not give signing bonuses and it was truly flat. Obviously Jonathan Allen got a big signing bonus on his contract, but yes, I do. Like I, I, I analyze them based on how they like to structure things, how they manage their cap year to year. Um, yeah. It's their scheme. You know, that's, their, that's their scheme uh, for the, for their cap guy. Who, who is like everybody, like, again, if we're looking at like coaches, not so much in terms of the results, because obviously, if, you know, everybody would say Bill Belichick is the best. But in terms of style, wow, I love Kyle Shanahan's run offense. I love Sean McVay's passing. For you, who's the salary cap guy that you're like, oh wow, that guy, the way he, the way he, uh, he, 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 he runs his books. That guy is for me. Who, who's that guy? Or yeah, I would say the thing is, is, is I try to look at it as, you know, if the GM tells you you have to just fit the money somewhere, then it's up to you to just fit it. So. Right. The guys that are the most creative, uh, in my opinion, I, I think I would start with Kai Harley in New Orleans. Obviously, everyone likes to point to how they're always a bi- you know a billion dollars over the cap, but they're <laughs> yeah. able to always get under and do all these things because he is doing things that other teams do not do. Uh, the same applies to the Philadelphia Eagles with Jake Rosenberg, their cap guy, very creative, has, has come up with some nifty maneuvers and, and things that clubs, you know, we're not aware of as well. Uh, and then one other name who I just think does a very good job with the actual valuation, if he's a part of that, um, is Kevin Mechanic with the Buffalo Bills. They've, they've had a lot of very strong contracts. They're, they're early to market as both of the first two teams generally are as well. And they like to get things done and, and know their future outlook a couple of years down the road. They're not running into any like, surprises that they're, they're very cognizant of where they're at all right so um so that's what washington has got to consider now some some of these additional moves and like I, I think the ones you hit on are some of the bigger ones i hadn't not so much i hadn't considered a william jackson but that like i said that that kind of i mean until 24 hours ago i didn't necessarily know we had to go that deep because they had over 30 million dollars in cap space but the world's changed and you know they still have to do a bunch of stuff right now, right? Like in the Wentz trade, they just traded away their third round pick. That's one guy that potentially would even be a starter this year on some level. I mean, they drafted Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson in the third. That pick is now gone. So that's one less option you would even have to play a big role next year. They still have their own free agents like J.D. McKissick, who from what I understand is going to have a market. There are teams out there that are definitely interested in him. 
I know Washington wants to keep him, but we'll see what his market is. It's going to be very different for him, I would think, than the last time, though he does have a neck injury, and we'll have to see what, what everybody says about, about that. Bobby McCain, their free safety. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you think about this. Like, I mean, he was solid last year. I know Rivera was a fan. I, I don't know. Is he going to get more than a one-year deal? I mean, anything is possible. I wouldn't think so. I, will, I don't even I don't want to say I don't think so. I just don't think it's like I'm not going to have to break the bank for him. I could find the replacement. But those are two guys off the top. And then there's some other players, Cam Sims, who they've talked up a bunch lately, Danny Johnson, who's a guy I always like at corner, Ricky Seals-Jones, what have you. Um, what, what's your view of from, in terms of the guys that they have to re-sign and then fit in within this money? Who for you kind of stands out as both an easy guy to keep or maybe somebody that's going to be a little more challenging? Yeah, so I can say personally, I have heard that McCain has a, has a handful of teams interested. Not going to break the bank, but I do think he could maybe get, you know, four or five million dollars on a deal, maybe a one or two year deal. Um, you know, he's not going to be a minimum guy or, or close to it. Um, and then I know, uh, I want to say it was Mike Garofalo this morning said he heard, you know, J.D. McKissick is one of his guys who might get more than you'd expect um, players. So like you said, I mean, I do. I think a guy with that skill set as a, as a pass catching back is always going to have a couple teams sniffing around. Um I, again, though, not so pricey that they're going to be, you know, that Washington is going to be priced out of, you know, bringing them back. Um, but they will get some strong offers in free agency. And then, yeah, otherwise, if, I think if they want, if Washington wants anyone back, they can make it work. Okay. So that's in the make it work part. This is where, again, with the funny math that you guys all conjure up, because I hear $5 million contract and I look at the, or, you know, two years, 10 million. Five and five seems simple. Well, wait a minute. Now it's all a matter of how is the, the it's restructured. Do they, put most of the money in the second year, which has like no or limited guarantees. And it's really a one-year deal and all this other junk. Um, so that said, like now we look at sort of the broad free agents, right? This is a team without knowing exactly what's going to happen with the same McKissick and McCain at a minimum, they still need to get a Mike linebacker. Ron Rivera has pushed that a guy like Bobby Wagner is going to become a free agent. We just learned this week and there's some other players out there. Arguably, they have to figure out right guard. West Schweitzer is on the team. I guess if they go sign somebody, they could cut Schweitzer and save some more money. But I would maybe say he, he stays. Um, maybe you have to go get another wide receiver on the outside. I, I, I don't view Curtis Samuel as an outside guy. And, you know, if you want to help Carson Wentz, get him some more help. I think they're going to want another running back, regardless of whether McKissick stays or not, et cetera. Um, Am I wrong to therefore say that at the moment with only 12.4 million, or even if you want to bump it up with some of these other moves we discussed, that effectively they're out of anybody that's like a really high priced player? Or am I wrong because the money can be, the contracts can be uh, shaped in such a way that they actually could get somebody and deal with them, deal with it down the line? I think their big splash of the offseason probably already happened. You know, I, I think Carson Wentz will be the big move. If they wanted to make more moves, they would have to restructure his deal. And that becomes kind of a tricky, you know, thing to go to navigate. You don't want to make things more complicated on yourself if maybe you do want to move on in a year. Like you said, though, and if you're committing that much draft capital, maybe you should be comfortable, you know, restructuring a little bit of Wentz's deal and pushing some money down the line. The Lions did it with Jared Goff and, you know, willing to take on that risk. So sometimes you have to do it. Um, but I would agree with you. I think now they're looking in the second and third waves and probably trying to find value at those spots. So let me just put you on the spot a little bit. Let's just say linebacker, because I think that's the one place on defense that Ron Rivera has emphasized that they want to get. Uh, you know, I mentioned Bobby Wagner is out there. I've pointed before to a guy like Anthony Walker from the Browns, 
who fits the profile a bit of a guy who is considered to be a good leader and maybe it won't cost a ton. But there's a bunch of names at that spot based on where Washington is or projects to be with their cap. Is there a linebacker out there for you that you think from a month from because I know you've studied the board in terms of money guys will get and things like that or projected they'll get anybody for you kind of stands out as a good fit for what they need and also maybe a good cost move for where they're at. Yeah, I would say one other guy that recently got cut is Buffalo Bills linebacker A.J. Klein. I think he's a solid Mike. Um, you know, if you're already invested with Jamin Davis and don't want to break the bank, I think he's a solid signing. Um, there are a lot of linebackers available. I don't think you need to break the bank by any means. Another name I think would be interesting is Josie Jewell, a pending free agent with the Denver Broncos. He tore his pectoral early last year, so I think he will be 100% healthy by the beginning of the year. Um, but probably a value just because he was not healthy for the full season. Another guy that is versatile, can cover, I think would fit well opposite um, Jamin Davis. And then you, you can to go further down the line. A guy like Jayon Brown, Tennessee Titans, probably doesn't have a huge market. Um, maybe a guy like Josh Bynes coming off a, you know, a decent year, playing a lot of snaps at least for the, for the Baltimore Ravens. So there's, there's a ton of options. Um, I would not spend a ton at off-ball linebacker. I think you can find a solid guy that you can trust to start, kind of like they did with Kevin Pierre-Lewis. And, um, you know, and we go down the list of guys they've been able to kind of cycle through. I think they could do that again. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, there's a name. Um, but, uh, by the way, you hit the trial. You know, you, I, I, sh- I need like a, a, a bell or something. When somebody mentions, logically, there's a player out there that, ha- that happens to have any ties to Ron Rivera's Carolina days. Like, this is an automatic. Ding, because AJ Klein started his career with Carolina under Ron Rivera, so that's gonna, you know, whether it whether he cares or not, it's gonna be it's absolutely one that we're all gonna look at, and it would make would make sense. Uh, let me go to the other side of the ball, wide receiver, always a deep position. It's becoming deeper and deeper more every year because it's the influx of players coming into the league, and there's a lot of guys who are available. Uh, obviously, some of the t- pieces at the top have become. Um, off gone off the board. Mike Williams gets the tag. Devontae Adams did get the tag, right? Yeah. Yeah, he got tagged. Yeah. Okay. I I, I was assuming he did, but it's there's been a lot happening. I kind of lost track. But yes, uh, he did. But there's still a bunch of other guys out there at receiver. So if I tell you that we need for, to give Washington an outside receiver, well, we're gonna assume Curtis Samuels more in the slot, outside receiver, but again, here's their money situation. Who stands out to you as somebody that would maybe be a good target? You know, again, a, a guy that signed a one-year flyer last year with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, it was a disappointing year for him. Will Fuller, um, you know, is a good outside vertical threat, a good player when healthy. He had like a finger issue that kept him out for probably longer than I think the team expected him to stay out. Um, you know, who knows what his situation is there, but he's a very productive and very good player. Had a great year in Houston before he hit the market last year. A couple other names kind of in that lower range. I think Zay Jones, um, you know, had a great finish to the season in Las Vegas. Probably still doesn't break the bank, probably viewed as more of a number three option, but a good outside receiver can, can you know, can be a deep threat, but also can be a possession guy at times and had a ton of trust um, from Derek Carr last year to close out the year. And then it's again, it's it's like I guess Keelan Cole also spends time in the slot, but he is able to play on the outside. Again, a ton of names there where you do not have to break the bank. Um, especially because you're already spending on Curtis Samuel and obviously Terry McLaurin now eligible for an extension. I actually tried to ask Martin Mayhew about that at the combine. And he, he gave a nice non-answer, but um, I think those are probably the names you're looking at. <laughs> well, did you ask him at the podium or did you run into yeah, him? Yeah, at the somewhere? podium. Not, not yet. No, I didn't oh. have an exclusive with him, but yeah. He, no, no, no. He, didn't, he actually didn't answer the question altogether. So respect to him. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's th- those podium things are so funny. I mean, we're all asking the questions and 90% of the responses are just, I mean, they're, it's, I always say it's like we're, co- we're covering 
politicians and they're just going to give you a non-answer which makes guys like chris boward so interesting because it, it feels more like a therapy session when he was up there and then obviously um you know he got rid of the patient that was causing him angst and now uh now now he is here um well man i really appreciate it is there anything else that from the that you find interesting in terms of washington whether it's about the cap or or, or anything else that we need to kind of kind of mention as free agency is about to get started you know i would just say that one name and this is you know potentially kind of shooting the moon here. And I know Dallas has now kind of backtracked on when they're going to cut Amari Cooper or if they're going to cut Amari Cooper, maybe try to find a trade partner. Washington was probably not, would not be interested in taking on his three year, 60 million remaining contract. But, you know, they were very interested when the, when the Dallas Cowboys let him hit the legal tampering window before they extended him in 2020. You know, there were a lot of reports that Washington was very in the mix there. Let's say he does get cut by Dallas and maybe his market doesn't materialize as much as he hoped. Maybe he is willing to take a one-year flyer or maybe even a, a shorter-term deal, um, you know, just because the team's always been interested. He's still young, still productive, and, and that would be a great addition if, if they could pull it off. Yeah, I mean, so since you opened that door, let me just go down here a quick second. So, yeah, I mean, they definitely – we all reported at the time, and, re- and even more recently, I've, I've gone back to it again, that Washington offered him more money than Dallas and not even just maybe a touch more because of like state taxes and stuff. I mean, like pretty significantly more. I've heard upwards of 115 million in total over the five years with the guarantees escalating as well. Okay, whatever. He picked Dallas. So to the point I asked you before, I don't know what you're projecting that Amari Cooper is going to get on the open market. He is now going to be one of the bigger free agent receivers available because a lot of guys are tied up now. What do you think Washington on their, where they are can, what's like the top they can go realistically to try to get a guy like this? Like what would the deal look like based on what you think his market could be? I think the goal there, let's say, you know, he gets cut after the beginning of the league year. So Dallas tries to make something work and keeps him through, you know, the tampering window is the 14th. The league year starts the 16th, his roster bonus, or excuse me, his guarantees kick in on the 18th. So that's their deadline where they have to do something before then. But let's say, you know, they keep him around until the 17th and they think a deal is going to get done, but it falls through. What I would say is, let's say his market doesn't materialize. You say, hey, Amari, look, come here, play for one year, 12 or $15 million. We'll add some void years onto that, which, you know, they're not in love with doing. But, you, you know, you make an exception for a guy like Amari Cooper. Throw some void years on there. So the, the first year cap hit in 2022 is only, you know, five, six million dollars. I, I don't see why you don't explore that. Give Carson Wentz in, in his potential one-year trial period, you know, three good players to throw the ball to, um, at least at receiver, uh, and then just, you know, just give everyone their best chance to, to put their best foot forward. All right. Well, you're the Rob Rogers expert here. So, it's, uh, you know, if you're saying this is something to consider, I'm assuming Rob Rogers is going to uh, consider it. Um, Brad, always a pleasure. Always appreciate you helping us get smarter on these uh, big, funny math uh, things. Uh, and uh, go read Brad's work over at Pro, uh, Pro Football Focus and over the cap. And uh, I po- what, tell everybody where to find you on social media. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. And yeah, my, my regular season is just getting started. So I'll be covering every, every deal and everything coming through. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Many thanks to Brad Spielberger for his time. And thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Uh, we'll have more throughout the week. Obviously, we're going to have to sort of play it by ear depending on what happens. But the fun starts Monday and uh, the podcast will, will continue to come for sure. But that is it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. 
See ya.